This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 63. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today is the June monthly roundup episode. In this episode, I'll be going through my takeaways from my interviews with LaShawn Curb from episode 59, Dr. Carrie Rose from episode 60, Manny Vea from episode 61, and Nicole Holland coming back for the second time on episode 62. So first up is uh, branding expert LaShawn Curb from Brand Legend and episode 59. So LaShawn had some cool things to say that I thought were were pretty interesting. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about branding and, and, and how, uh, how important branding is and how he really was able to affect a lot of brands. But one thing that, that, that was, I thought was interesting about our conversation was he was saying that as he was helping out a lot of brands, uh, in particular people who work for Universal, such as Usher, uh, he, he realized, you know, these people were really monetizing on uh, on their branding um and uh, he was trying to figure out like how do i do the same thing so we kind of looked at ways other people out there who were who were doing branding were monetizing things and how his clients were monetizing things and realized there was definitely a market and opportunity for him to go out and uh you know because his clients were seeing such good results he, he knew that he could charge uh, a fee for these services and he and that he really had something uh something going for himself uh and so he used that to uh to build a business model and, and started to um started to make some money and get some clients uh and in addition to that uh you know he was looking at kind of what big companies were doing and we talked about what big companies were doing wrong and i think it's uh, you know a lot of times what also what small companies are doing wrong and he said that they're uh, they're focused on uh, making money instead of connecting with people, uh, and he said that 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 they're very uh, transactional based. You know, it's all about like how do I get the next sale? How do I get the next sale? Instead of figuring out how do I connect with my customers and make them champions for my company, right? And if you focus on that, if you focus on how do I do the best for my customers and make my customers into like raving fans, champions for my company, then uh, you'll have a much better experience with uh, with those customers. Um, and so, and, and to, to kind of piggyback on that, uh, he also talked about, you know, the importance of having that loyal following. And really what that does is those people go out and they'll promote the brand for you. So you can do even less marketing because you have this, this group of raving fans who will talk about you and, and, uh, and they want to buy from you again and again and again. Um, another thing that, that he talked about was, um, was people, um, they, they create content um, a lot of times for content's sake, and they should be creating content around focusing solely on helping their audience uh, as much as possible and helping as many people as possible. And he also said that, like, you know, if someone's out there and they have a product and they're not, they're not providing their product to the marketplace, they're really doing a disservice um, to those people out there who could benefit from their product. Now, a lot, a lot of times people want to hold back their product because they think, oh, this thing is not perfect, or they think, you know, there's, there's some, some more I could add to it. And there's always going to be something more you can add to it. But you know, it, it's best to like kind of put put your first version of your product out in the marketplace. Let the let the market kind of decide for themselves uh, if it's good enough and what what more they want. And that feedback will actually make your product product better. But the people who are ready for it and can benefit it benefit from it in its current state will be able to. You'll be able to make money. You'll be able to grow your audience and authority in the marketplace. And those people who are ready for your product in its current state will be able to benefit from it. So it's it's kind of a win win um, in in that situation. Uh, and so the next thing 
that we talked about uh, was that a lot of people are, are not really leveraging social media the way they should be. Uh, and he said, if you're not really leveraging social media, you're really, you're really missing a great opportunity because so many people are on social media these days. Um, and, and it really captures every age group and every demographic. Um, and the best way, LaShawn said, to, to leverage social media is to show up and just be, be really authentic. Uh, people like to align with individuals. People like to align with authenticity. People like to align with people showing their vulnerabilities, not necessarily always being perfect. Um, and the more authentic you are, the more you'll come across as uh, someone that your target audience wants to really um, connect with and resonate with. Uh, and then you'll, you'll just be able to pull in those people who are most like you and most aligned with your message and push away the people who aren't. And it's and a lot of times that seems very scary. Oh, I'm pushing some people away. But really, it's like in order to get those raving fans, in order to really be get any attention in the marketplace, you have to do that. You have to kind of be polarizing. You have to take a stand for what you're for and what you're against um, so that the people who agree with your message will be really drawn to you and people who don't agree with your message will be pushed away. Um, the other thing he talked about in terms of social media was it was uh, to stop thinking about how much engagement you're getting from any particular post. Uh, you know, he said he puts up a lot of posts that gets a lot of engagement. Some of his posts don't get really get any engagement at all. But he said, you know, if you're if you're more focused on just being yourself and being authentic and not worrying about like how much engagement you're getting in particular, then the engagement will come over time and you'll get better at figuring out what your message is uh, and what sort of things um, work the best on on social media. Um, and so LaShawn doesn't really worry about the numbers that much. He just kind of, you know, puts his puts his messages out there and and uh, let's let's things grow organically. Uh, so. Another thing that he talked about that I thought was really powerful was we kind of took a pivot and we talked about like going to to events such as conferences. Uh, and he talked about the power of, of, of networking. Um, and, uh, you know, he said that one thing that's really important when it comes to networking is is stop focusing on having instant gratification like, oh, I'm going to go and network with this person and I'm going to get this deal right away. Um, but really more spending your time networking and, and just building relationships with people. I think networking becomes kind of scary for people because they think like, oh, I got to go and talk to this person. And there, there has to be this grand result at the end of the conversation. And really, it's not really about that. It's, it's really just connecting with people, having conversations with them, sharing your passions with them, listening to them. Uh, and, and one really important piece that LaShawn said is, you know, if you stop trying to be interesting and start being interested in what other people are doing uh, and become a curious person, you'll have a lot more impact uh, at networking events and you'll, it'll be a lot easier for you to build relationships with people. And it's, it's really kind of an interest, uh, kind of an easy thing to do, right? You go there and, and truly just become interested in people's businesses. Like what problems are they really having? And thinking to yourself, is there something in there that I can solve? Or do I have a similar problem that we can just spark up a conversation about? Or is there, or is there something that I'm curious about or, or, or genuinely interested in? And building that, that true real relationship the way you would if you didn't have any sort of business agenda uh, is, is the best way to go about, um, go about networking. Uh, and, and LaShawn also said that, you know, as, as many other people have said before, that he stopped carrying business cards um, because, you know, he kind of thought, you know, a business card is somewhat impersonal, right? You, you go to a conference, you hand someone a business card, people trade these business cards. And at the end of the conference, for the most part, most people will never use those business cards. They go and get tucked away in a drawer. Uh, and he said that, you know, if, you, if you're having a conversation with someone and you're really being curious about their business, you're really having a good, you would, a good conversation, you would exchange information with them as you would, as you would with any friend. Um, and so there's no point of having a business card, you know? Um, and so I, I totally see that point. I think that's a really, really a good way of, 
uh, looking at it and, uh, and, and just, you know, you never know, um, when that relationship that you're going to build with someone will pay off in the future. So instead of being so short term focused on what can I get out of this person now, be long term focused and saying, this is a great relationship for me to have. I don't know what's going to come of it. May not, something may not come of it right away, but maybe something will come of it six weeks from now or six months from now or a year from now or two years from now. You just kind of never know, um, when those things can really benefit you. Um, and, you know, he said if, if you're going to a conference and there's someone in particular that you want to meet, um, he said that the, the best thing to do is to kind of research them, figure out like what their business is about and see if you can find some way to add value to that conversation. Like, is there something that you notice about their business that you can help them with? Uh, and usually if you dig into their business enough, if you listen to interviews they've done, you, you, you read their bio, you figure out what are they currently working on, there may be some piece where you can say, hey, you know, I realize that, you know, you've been talking a lot about this and this is something that I think might be interesting or I've been seeing you, you've been doing things this way, but have you ever thought about doing it that way? Uh, and if you're adding value to the conversation, it's a lot easier for you to make that connection with the person. Uh, and for, for you to really be able to build a relationship. And, and the whole purpose of this is, is to not be, not be a jerk and not to be like, hey, your, your business sucks, you're doing something wrong, but it's to truly add value and to come across um, in that way so, so that no one's offended by uh, you sharing um, any, any sort of advice. Um, and so next up uh, was LaShawn's business partner, actually, uh, at Brand Legend, Dr. Kerry Rose from episode 60. Um, and so... Carrie and I had a great conversation about courses, and uh, she's really, really focused on education and trying to get people to, one, create courses that um, customers actually want to complete, complete, uh, and then figuring out, like, what is the best way to make that happen. Um, and so she kind of started out, and she said, you know, a lot of people need to really start out with their sales copy, Right. Before they even create the course, um, they should write out their sales letter, is what she said, and you know, look at all the points that are on that sales letter. What are you saying to your customer that they're going to get? And then create the course around that so that you make sure that your, your course actually includes all the things that you're selling uh, instead of the other way around, instead of creating the course and then creating the sales letter. Um, because one, your sales letter is going to be kind of that, that big you know, selling point, the thing that you... Um, uh, you know, really want people to, um, that, that I think you think you think is going to be the most enticing to your customer. And then if you create your course around that, then you make sure that you actually del deliver what you said you were going to. Um, the other thing that she said is, uh, you know, create a course specifically, you know, to your audience, figuring out like, what do these people in this space actually need to hear? Uh, what are they really struggling with? What are their real problems? And not just kind of dumping all of your knowledge into a course and just saying, hey, they'll, you know, here, here's everything that I know on this topic. And these people will have an opportunity to sift through all of it and kind of figure out what works best for them. Uh, because, I, because, you know, a lot of times the reason why people don't create courses is because it's not necessarily congruent with them. They, they hear like email marketing. Okay, well, that's really broad. Like what exactly are you going to be focused on? Are you going to start out super beginner and tell me how to do things I already know how to do? Or are you going to be going into much more advanced stuff? Um, and she said it was really good, really important to break your content into really kind of small bite-sized pieces so that anyone who buys the course can say, okay, well, you know what? This particular part of the course, I already know how to do, so I can skip that. Uh, and, and it's bite-sized enough that people can do that. They can skip the pieces that either one, don't fit with their interests right now, don't fit in with their business model, or are things that they are already uh, familiar with. Uh, and that, that helps a lot more with, with course engagement. 
Um, the other thing that she said is um, you want to uh, you want to help people um, get through your course uh, as quickly as possible. And uh, because at the end of the day, I mean, they just want the information and it's not about like how long my course is. You know, if you have a 50 hour course, but you could have given people the same information in 10 hours or five hours, it's not really adding any more value to that person to just make it longer for, for, for length's sake. Um, so make it as short as possible. Give people the information as quickly as they can get it so they can digest it and implement it in their business. Uh, and, and you'll be doing the, the best service for your, your customers. Uh, she said from the research that she's seen, most people fall off of videos at the uh, seven-minute mark. So she encourages her students to make, her vid- make their videos in their courses between three to five minutes so that you know, people, people pay attention, they don't fall off, they don't you know, doze off or start doing other things, and it's manageable for their attention span. They can look at the length of the video and say, oh, this is only five minutes, I can get through that. They go, and then and they can kind of go through the course uh, without you know, having to watch a 30, 35-minute video and then getting through half of it and saying, oh, this is too long, I don't have time for this, let me come back later, and, and, and ending up never coming back. Um, the other thing that we talked about that I thought was kind of cool is she talked about uh, the importance of making uh, games out of completing sections of the course and providing certain rewards for people. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting because it's like, yeah, you don't necessarily, I mean, the rewards don't have to be something grandiose. It doesn't have to be like a monetary reward or a big trophy, but just like, you know, a virtual trophy or a virtual sticker or some sort of achievement they unlocked or, you know, whatever it may be so that they feel like there's something that they're getting. And it seems kind of cheesy, but it, but it actually is pretty effective. And, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, video games have, impl- uh, incorporate this sort of thing thing because they've realized that this sort of reward system, the virtual reward system helps people uh, continue to, to, to move through the game. And I think um, a lot of those strategies that, you know, video game companies have poured millions of dollars into researching can be leveraged uh, by course creators uh, to create, uh, create better courses. Um, The other thing that she mentioned was the need to uh, combine different sort of learning tactics into your course. So, you know, you have auditory learners, you have visual, vis, uh, visual learners, kinesthetic learners. Uh, and she said the one thing you could do is, you know, you can create your course videos. And then for people, you know, for people who are the visual learners, they can watch the video. For people who are more auditory, you can strip out the audio and just have that as an audio file so they can just listen to the content you know, on the go while they're driving in their car or while they're going on a run or something like that. And then you can also provide a, a transcript um, for the people who prefer to read. Uh, so then that way you have the same content that you already created. You don't have to recreate something new, but you're providing it in three different formats to accommodate the learning style uh, and the schedule and kind of, you know, lifestyle of the person who is going through your, through your course. Um, and I thought this, is all, this all was really, really powerful because I think a lot of times course creators think, well, you know, I've created my course. I've already got my money. Whether they, whether they create the, finish the course or not doesn't really matter. But it does because if the person creates, if they finish the course, then that means they're much more likely to implement the stuff. They're much more likely to get good results. And if they do, they're much more likely to talk about your course and become a raving fan. Whereas if they don't complete the course, you know, they're they're more likely to either one, not say anything about your course at all, or two, say your course is a scam, you know, because I paid $1,000 for this course and I thought I was going to do X, Y, and Z for me and it didn't. And the reason why I didn't is because they didn't complete it. Um, but a lot of times they end up blaming the course creator. So, uh, it's in your best interest to design your course so your students can complete it because it not only benefits them, but it benefits your business as well. 
so next up was uh, Manny Vea from uh, from 2000books.com in episode 61. Uh, so uh, Manny and I had a great conversation about him starting his business, and I, I was kind of impressed with the fact that you know, he was an engineer, he was making really good money, uh, managing billion dollar cell phone projects, as he, as he mentioned. Uh, and then he just got to a point where he said, you know, I, I want to do something else. I want to do something bigger. I want to do something of my own. And he was willing to walk away from, you know, a nice, cushy, comfortable job uh, where he was making a good salary to, to start his own business. And so he, you know, he saved up a whole lot of um, money and uh, he invested his money and he really kind of cut down on his expenses as, as small as possible so that he could live off of his savings and have a really, really long runway as he built up his business. You know, he mentioned a quote by, uh, by, by Thomas uh, Schelling, who said, in order to win at anything, we have to limit our options. And I think that that's, uh, that's so true and so cool because uh, basically what he was getting at was, you know, if you have too many options, your, your attention is spread so thin uh, and it's really hard for you to focus on anything and really become good in accomplishing any goal because you just have too many things you're, you're working on, too many things you're focused on. Um, and um, he, uh, he also said that like one of the things that, that really helped him a lot was um, just constantly thinking about uh, other entrepreneurs that had come before him. And, uh, and this is kind of where he came up with this concept and realized that uh, entrepreneurs were actually – uh, are actually made and not born. Uh, he's read, you know, a lot of business books, and you know, his his whole business is about business books. So he reads a book a day. He he provides these awesome book summaries, and from reading all these different books, you know, and reading stories of different entrepreneurs, he realized like this idea that entrepreneurs are born is not really the case. Um, most of the time, when you look through the story of an entrepreneur, they weren't you know necessarily entrepreneurial from from day one they they worked their way into this and a lot of these people had opportunities that that led to you know one thing which led to another thing which led to another thing and over time they 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 cut their teeth over years of developing the skill and becoming more and more entrepreneurial as time went on so it's definitely something that anyone can learn uh if they're willing to put in the time it's just that a lot of times people don't look at the story and they look at like what the person is today and they assume, oh, that, that person must always have been like that. Um, but that's not always the case. And in many cases from what, um, from what Manny's, uh, figured out usually is not the case. Um, and so, uh, he talked about, um, you know, the more time you spend being an entrepreneur, the more likely you are to be a successful entrepreneur. Uh, and so that is kind of what he used in, in his mind to build his business, to keep himself motivated, to keep going on. Uh, and he said he got the idea for his business mainly because, you know, he saw he saw a lot of other companies providing book summaries and he, he knew that the model was viable, that people were interested in book summaries, but the other book summaries that he saw were really boring. So he was like, I want to find a way to really connect with people, to find a way to create a summary that people uh, will connect with the backstory, will connect with, you know, really digging into the background of the individual who who the story is about and really um, kind of digging out in, uh, those really important nuggets uh, that are most interesting about the story, not just giving a you know kind of high-level summary. Um, like, what does this really mean and how can this really be used um, to, to help you out? And, um, you know, when he talked about, like, getting better and, and improving yourself, he said that he went to a Tony Robbins event, uh, Unleash the Power Within, and he said something that, that really stuck out to him in that event is which is the event that I've been to myself and I thought was was really good was uh he said that the 
Tony Robbins said the fastest way to change your life is to find others uh, that have accomplished what you want to accomplish and surround yourself with them. And if you do that, then you can uh, compress decades into days. And I thought that was super powerful because I'm like, man, I mean, imagine being able to compress decades into days instead of spending decades trying to learn something. You can just spend your time with other people who have already perfected it and learn like the quickest way to get up to speed instead of struggling for, for years and just never really getting there. Um, so when you do that by just surrounding yourself with, with great people. So Manny, again, he's another person who goes to conferences with uh, the intention of making connections with very specific people. He said every year he makes a list of individuals that he wants to connect with. And he, he makes a plan to connect with those people through different, through different ways. So whether it be conferences or, or other networking events. Um, and he said when he goes to these events, he'll, he'll find a reason to, he kind of you know, puts together a plan to find a reason to talk to these people and uh, gets in conversations with them and figures out specifically like what he wants that relationship to do with his business. And I think that's a really good way for anybody who wants to propel their business to you know, figure out who is, who is the person or the people that can help you the most and how can you find a way to meet them and connect with them. Um, so last up this month was Nicole Holland from Interviews That Convert in episode 62. Uh, so some great takeaways that I had from my interview with Nicole, um, was we, we talked about her virtual summit that she started in 2015. Um, and, uh, it was the business building rockstar summit. And he, uh, you know, in, in talking about that, I thought it was cool because she said that, you know, she basically started this summit because she saw a lot of other people creating courses and creating summits, but it was very much like everyone was focused on like, let's say one topic in particular, um, and then they would just have like 30 experts all talking about the exact same thing, all talking about Facebook ads or all talking about email marketing or all talking about, you know, web design or whatever it may be. And she said that, you know, it was just overwhelming for her because, you know, she'd be like, I'm new. Like, I don't need 30 different ideas on the same thing. I need one idea on the 30 different things that I need to figure out in order to make my business work so I can have all the pieces um, that I need to make a successful business instead of having one piece and like 30 iterations of that same piece because it's like, well, I don't know enough to know who to follow, so who who should I be listening to? So what she did with her summit is she did exactly that. She created the summit. She had 30 different um, experts talk about different topics, and she did it in 2015, did it again in 2016, and she'll be doing it for the final time in 2017. Um, and uh, we talked about like why she did the summit and, um, and uh, the I guess the best things to think about before creating a summit um and she said that you know it was a lot of work for her and that's kind of the reason why she's ending it in 2017 um and uh she she kind of it, it doesn't really fit with the business model she has now but it really helped her a lot in the beginning because it helped her to build an email list it helped her to network with a whole lot of people and and get a lot of connections that she normally wouldn't have um and she said basically with the summit i mean you know you have to bring together experts you got to bring supporter you got to bring together supporters and technical people, um, and she, um, you know, she she created this summit by doing you know tons of research uh, on who would be the best people. She connected with these experts and enticed them to come to the summit. A lot of times by buying their programs, by going through their programs, and, and kind of giving to them first. Uh, one, because it helped her to build a relationship with this person, uh, because she already bought their program. She had a reason to to contact them. But also, you know, she had a way to vet the person to figure out, dude, is there stuff actually good? Is this the kind of person that I really, I really want to be promoting and telling other people about? Um, and 
then, uh, you know, she realized with the summit, she also had other people reaching out to her saying, hey, you know, especially after the first year when it was really successful, you know, they were reaching out and saying, hey, I want to be part of the summit. And she really didn't have uh, any issues being afraid, saying, no, you know, your, your business is, is not a fit uh, for my summit. So instead of just accepting anyone and everyone, she was very strategic about the people because she wanted to make sure that um, the value was really there for the people who uh, were attending the summit. And so she said, if you're going to you know, plan a summit, it's best to plan it at least three months out so you have plenty of time to get everything together. Um, and she said that you know, people uh, often think about um, creating a summit, um, but they don't think about how much work is involved and, and, and all that stuff. She said, you know, if you're going to create a summit, then you got to really be in for the long term. you got to really be willing to do it for a long period of time. And that's why she said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it for at least three years uh, so it's worth my time because... It is a lot of work. It is a lot of commitment, and uh, if you're not if you're not really willing to to stay focused on it, then you're not going to get the benefits from it. And uh, you know, she said that also through through creating a virtual summit, she made some connections that helped her with her current business, which is interviews that convert. And she helps um, people who are interested in growing their influence get onto podcasts and become good podcast guests. And uh, she got this idea because. You know, as she was creating her virtual summit and getting exposure for that by being on podcasts herself and having other people on her podcast, she realized that there were some certain guests uh, that were on her podcast that she thought were really, really good and other people that weren't so great. She also realized that certain podcasts she was on, she was a good guest and other times she wasn't. She tried to figure out like what, why is, what, what makes some guests good and others not so good and what makes me a good guest on some pod shows and not on others. Um, and so she kind of dug into that, figured out the things that were, were really good that made a good guess and decided like she was going to create a course and create a business around that. And she did. And it has become really, really great. I mean, she's, she's brought people to, to my podcast in particular, and, and those guests are really well prepared and she's really created a great formula, um, to help guests get, get best prepared to know what to talk about, to make the best of their time on podcasts, as well as to help the podcast host, um, have a really interesting and informative interview. So those are my takeaways for the month. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week. I'll be speaking with the marketing mentor, Adam Orbanski, and we'll be just discussing the psychology of selling. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.